Hey, what's up, How About This listeners, and welcome back to the How About This podcast. We have a wonderful episode for you today. We have a great guest. Amanda is joining us again to talk about her favorite film franchise of all time, and quite frankly, it seems to be most of our favorite film franchise of all time, at least in the top five for all of us, as we record this episode tomorrow, or whatever, 30 years ago or whatever, because on this week's episode, we hit 88 miles per hour and we see some serious, well, we'll let the episode tell you what you see. So everyone on the internet, how about this fans? Where we're going, we don't need roads because we're talking about Back to the Future. Hey, what's up? How about this audience? We're back with, I guess, normal episodes of this show after uh, doing a little bit of that Halloween thing for a little while. We are back doing more quote-unquote normal episodes of the show. These are not normal. Nothing about our show is normal. You're right. Nothing about our show is normal. And uh, we just want to say that we recorded this podcast tomorrow because this podcast was recorded in the future. We stepped out. Of our 1985 DeLorean time machine Wait, in the year. You, you discovered the secrets of time travel? Yes, I have. What? What is it? The Fifth Element? It was really love all along. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> so before we get into the episode and talk to you about what we're talking about today, we have the inventor of the flux capacitor, oh, the controller of the space-time continuum, Mr. Jordan Hugh. Oh, thank you. And, and welcome to my co-host, the voice you just heard, who's... Is that a is that a life jacket you're wearing? Yeah, it's a, um, uh, you know, I just got off ship. Fresh from his tour in the Coast Guard, a renowned time traveler and Michael J. Fox lookalike, Michael Staub. You know, I do, uh, I, I have based much of my life off of the life of Michael J. Fox. So this is a really great uh, topic to talk about today. Are you going to get replaced with Charlie Sheen eventually? Hopefully not. Should I be prepared for that? Hopefully not. I think that wow. when they replaced Michael J. Fox on Spin City yes. with Charlie Sheen, it yes. definitely took a dip. It did. It wasn't the same. Uh, more than a dip. It canceled the show. Yeah, it yeah. It like terrible. ruined the show. It was yeah. not nearly as good. Michael J. Fox was great on Spin City. Spin City is... We're, sh- per- we're purposely not introducing Amanda, which I think is hilarious, but I, I really want to just discuss Spin City for a moment. I love so. Spin City. It was good. It was, it was a was great good. show. All right, so then we have the conductor of the time train. All aboard. Ms. Amanda Mack, all aboard the time train. Welcome. Welcome back. We have a great guest with us today to talk about her favorite series. But before we do that, Spin City? Spin City. I loved Spin City. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Really good show. Really good actors on it that like hadn't been used in a while. Barry Bostwick, really oh, nice. Barry Bostwick. Uh, Alan Ruck is on that show. That's right. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good people on that show. Yeah, no, it's a good show. But you can't... Here's the thing. I, I get it. They wanted a star, but like you can't replace Michael J. Fox with Charlie Sheen. Like That energy is so different. Yeah. Like Just throw the show out. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, you don't make the show anymore. But you know, Michael J. Fox, obviously, we love him. Yeah. Uh, he has has his health issues, and I think that's kind of when stuff was starting to happen. Oh yeah, well yeah. But you know and what? Unfortunately, he was I mean the Michael J. Fox show yeah. had a full season, that's right. which was also great, and he just it became part of his. He was playing himself, yeah. so he just leaned into this is who I am. Yep, and I, I love him for that. Yeah. I absolutely love yeah. him for that because it's like yeah, I'm just gonna do it anyway. Yeah, well, well, I thought well, that was great. Actually, he also leaned into his Parkinson's condition yeah. with his character, recurrent character on The Good Wife. Oh yeah, I believe was uh, the show where I hope it. I hope it's The Good Wife. I think that's the show. It's um he he played a lawyer who like 
would play upon the jury's sympathies uh, with his with his Parkinson's condition. It was actually like a, a riot. I, I think it was the good wife. There's probably someone listening to the show being like, "Jordan, you idiot!" It was I don't know some other some other lawyer the female closer. show, but it was you know whatever. <laughs> Allie McBeal, <laughs> single female lawyer. <laughs> I'm just a normal lawyer. Bring us McNeil. So numerous and belligerent. We've gone so far away from what we're talking about. Well, hey, we wrapped around a Futurama, yes, which is what Back to the Future inspired Futurama. Exactly. For, yeah. I say that's a valid. Uh, Philip, Philip, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, Philip J. Fry, right? Or Philip J. Fly. Oh, I see Wiener. Oh, I have the Marty McFry shirt at yeah. home. I'm wearing a different <laughs> Back Back to the Future shirt today, but I do have a Marty McFry shirt, and it's just Fry on the hoverboard with the vest and like. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Oh, um, so Skinny yeah, Puff Junior socks. <laughs> well noted. <laughs> so we are talking about one of our collective favorite film franchises of all time, Back Jurassic to the Future. Oh. oh. Oh, yeah. I'm on the wrong show. I went with Bobby Z. That was... And you went with Steven S. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't work out Time's right. going to tell on yeah, those two. Yeah, yeah. We're going to see what's going to happen with those. <laughs> I'm just going right, to nope. raise my hand and say it's not my pitch, but that was almost one of my pitches. Oh, a mashup? Was... Jurassic Park back yeah, to the... You could Jurassic do it. Jurassic Park to the we future. We have to go back to back get the real Jurassic... dinosaur. Jurassic <laughs> Park to the future? <laughs> yeah. Marty, we got to go back in time to get the real T-Rex. Which Whoa, kind heavy, of... Doc. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are heavy. They're gigantic. It's kind of like the the dinosaur ride that was yeah. at, uh, at. Is that? I think they closed it. I, I think, think they, they closed I it. I think they just closed yeah. it. I think it very recently closed. The dinosaur, dinosaur? ride at Animal yes, Kingdom. I think that's they right. closed Primeval World. I think they did. Someone also correct me. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I they closed I'm Dinosaur. Wrong. I don't. Maybe they closed it for re- refurbishment. Yeah, it was down a lot. So yeah. I'm well, there have been killings. I mean, yeah. children have died. Yeah. They, they were, those dinosaurs. Well, unlike what Ian Malcolm says, the dinosaurs did eat the tourists kind of like how the pirates didn't kill the tourists in Jurassic Park oh I got it yeah yeah. <laughs> Alright, no, we're talking about Back to the Future today, everybody. Back our to the collect- our, one of our collective favorite film franchises. Yes. We, but especially Amanda. Especially Amanda. Favorite. We know for a fact that Back to the Future is Amanda's favorite movie of all time. You know, when you watch it today, it's still quite good uh, when you sit down and watch it. We were just watching yeah, it. it's amazing. Can it's I, really, really good. Can I just say, I don't even remember the first time I saw it. That's how long it has been my favorite movie. Yeah. And the... F- I owned it first it was a vhs filmed from tv hbo like on a home movie tape <laughs> that's the best way that's to watch how movies. i watched it and i think i'm like it's before my memory started yeah. that's that's the first time i've seen it so just as long as i've been alive i just know that that's been my favorite movie yeah. I, do, I don't remember how but it's true as yeah. we were children we're children of the 90s but We've experienced a little bit of the 80s, and we got a lot of 80s culture because that was was on TV when we were growing up. It was all 80s movies. It was all Star Wars, Back to the Future, you know, all that stuff. It's kind of like the films that we we grew up with because at that point, by the time we were, by the time the 90s came around, we were five, six, seven, eight years old, and those movies were, you know, on right. We're TV. still in the, we're in the wake of the Gen Xers, yeah, right? and, yeah. And Back yeah. to the Future is a core Gen Xer film, exactly. Yeah. But I think we totally it was like a film. These are films we watched as kids. And Back to the Future was a big deal. It was a big deal for a lot of us. It's one of those movies that it was one of the first, I think, film franchises I even could remember watching all the movies. And probably even before Star Wars. I probably got into Back to the Future sort of like liking Back to the Future before Star Wars. But I definitely did. Let's give our take here. Let's give our take on, on, you know, our experience with the film franchise and why we like it. Amanda, why is Back to the Future your favorite movie of all time? 
Um, or film series. It's, yeah. It is my my favorite film series. My favorite, like I own a lot of memorabilia stuff too. Like I just love it as, I, I like time travel stuff. I think that is the best written film as far as time travel movies go. Like I love Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but that movie is all over the place. So crates? Sure. So crates, so yeah. Crates. Um, whereas like Back to the Future, if you look at the first film on its own like I've tried to find holes and I don't like if you're a scientist like there's definitely like well that wouldn't oh, work because whatever I'm talking just like plot wise like it's I, I still haven't found like a hole if there's something that's uh, addressed in the beginning it's kind of like tied up or addressed at the end yeah. down to like it so, was Twin Pines Mall now it's the Lone Pine Mall like that there's one took me forever to catch yes yeah uh but there's it, the movie is riddled with that just sure. little little teeny things that it's like oh that ties that end and that ties that end and that little thing happened at the beginning which affected what happened at the end it's like it's all there it's all comes perfect circle and it's just a brilliant script um but my my dad is definitely the one that taped it of course and then i found that's it a Bill Mac that's job. oh yeah well he's Absolutely. he's also like as a kid <laughs> yeah. the, the tv that you know he would watch that i gravitated toward was back to the future on tv but like Star Trek and Quantum yeah. Leap and he's super into Doctor Who also yeah. so anytime I like go visit and hang out with him like he's got Doctor Who or something on and there's a sci-fi a time or dimensional jump element in all of those things that I just gravitate towards um yeah and I could totally see him like also being like forward thinking enough being like yeah my my daughter's gonna love this movie and I'm gonna tape it like that's that's what we did. That's but what we're thinking enough. Did. Like he'd already been to the future, yes. and he knew it he was knew. your favorite. He and he's I... like, I'm the one that has to tape it for her. Yes. And then he had to come back to the past. And then he introduced her to Chuck Berry as well. So it was really good. All that rock. <laughs> your cousin Marvin. Marvin Berry. We got to talk about that moment later. <laughs> yeah, that's you know that's one of those things where it's just, uh, it was just it was, a, that was a time. It was a different. There was, was a, there was a time. It was a time. <sighs> so so you've known it. It's been your favorite because it's just so tight. Yeah, it's super tight. Um. I could watch it over and over again. Um, I love the whole trilogy, to be honest. And my ranking jumps around, like depending on the day, but I'm really one, three, two. I think that's my order. I think first is the best. Um, I I enjoy the third one because it's just different. uh, Um, I have the worst take. I go three, one, two. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I would fight you, but I like three. Like it's, I, I like all of them. I, they're all tens. I love these. They're movies. great. Yeah. They're absolutely great. Um, and Michael J. Fox's Shane McFly is ridiculous. Ridiculous. There's nothing like that no. in these movies. That's that perform. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> so Jordan, how explain where? Do, how do you? How did you experience Back to the Future the first time? And uh, why do you like it so much? Uh, this movie or these movies are so ubiquitous in our culture that it's hard to even determine when I probably first saw this. I imagine it was on TV. I know this for a fact i didn't see them in order yeah because i remember my first memory of the back to the future series is the future world yeah from the second film okay right? uh that's like my first memory of back to the future that's being a like, strange way to yeah not on purpose it. it was just it was on tv and i was like this is so cool and then i was like oh it's a time adventure whatever and then i don't know if it was my mom or my dad just being like there's there's a there's a first one and i was like what no. there was one before this and then i watched that first one and i was like oh this is much better <laughs> you yeah. know what though that says a lot about the films too and i agree that they are standalone yeah they can sure like great great movies i think so and they all have their own sort of uh, flavor to them so i you know i was a little kid you know i, I loved the first movie uh, i i had 
really enjoyed the second movie because I'd already seen it. And then the third movie ended up being my favorite just because even from a little kid, I just really like Westerns. But now reflecting as an adult, I'm like, it's so fucking weird they did a Western. I They're know. like, all right, we're going to do a third movie. Okay, so same kind of thing. They're kind of like dip, dip back and forth and like the, the time continuum is at risk. No, fuck it. It's a Western straight up. Oh, there's, but there's going to be like a lot of time travel within it. No. Once he's back in the West, we just stay in that one timeline. Oh, but it's going to have significance like to, nope, straight up a Western. And I love that. Yeah. Do they reference, because um, I was actually watching the first one this morning before getting here, yep. but I haven't, it's been a minute since I've seen the second and third. Do they reference Clayton's, is it? No, but the shooting gallery game, the whatever they call that, crack shot or whatever yeah, the hell. Yeah, uh, in, in the cafe. That, that arcade game is in the first game. Wild Gunman? Yeah, Wild, Wild, yeah, Wild, Wild Gunman. Gunman. So okay. Wild Gunman. I think is in the first uh, movie. It Yeah, Wild Gunman is a, it's crazy because there was never an actual arcade cab. No, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. There was an arcade cabinet for Wild Gunman, but it was different. The Wild Gunman that he plays in Back to the Future 2 is the NES game. Okay. Made into a fake cabinet. Yeah, but uh, then they're like, "You got to use your hands. It, this is a baby's a, game." Right. Is that <laughs> game in the first one too? I think so. I don't remember. I, they leak something about the western in the first one, even if they weren't thinking about that yet, because they do try to pull from that. But that's yeah. why I also love this because yeah, it goes yeah, right it back to oh, the ah. only thing that doesn't wrap around. I hate to poke a hole, Marty. Uh, this is not a criticism. I love the movie because Marty doesn't really have an arc in the third movie. The third movie is very much Doc's movie. They kind of give him this like, uh, they kind of give him this like chicken thing that has become yeah. so overblown from the yeah. second film, and it's not really part of the first film. Like, I don't think anyone calls him a chicken, and then he gets like a crazy reaction no. to it in the first movie. Movies two and three, yes, definitely yeah. a part of it. Famously, big plot points in the first movie. I don't know. It was just it was something that wasn't really there, and they were just trying to scrounge around for something. It's fun. It's just it was one thing where they were like, oh, we have to make you know two more of these. Let's try this. Yeah, out. let's. Yeah. Uh, anytime he hears chicken, it's just he has some sort of immediate right. visceral, which is hilarious. Well, yeah. also to defend that just a little bit, the majority of the time we spend with Marty in the first one is in 1955, where no right. one would know that character trait about him, so they wouldn't sure. really poke at it. But I don't disagree he has with plenty you. Plenty of altercations with people that could have said it, but they yeah. didn't. Especially they did not. Biff, and that's not like that's not. Biff like, just says, "Make like a tree." Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, and like calling someone a chicken is not, it's not like not 50 slang, right? Like people would call people chickens it's just, in the It's 50s. not in the first movie. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not okay. completely it's not, not a big in the deal. movie. It's yeah. yeah. uh, just yeah. something I noticed that doesn't wrap around. That's like the one thing I can think of. Yeah, they, it's, it, they definitely added something to create a little bit more conflict and as, a, as probably more of a plot. Sure, device. also, I mean, they did not know the degree to which this would be. A, nah, no, you know, no. I mean, certainly they were planning to make a trilogy by the time they were getting reception on the first of one. Course. And then they, I think, retrofitted it with that to-be-continued one, you know, yeah. part at the end of the film. Um, but uh, this is... Robert Zemeckis has a really unusual career. Yeah, right. Really we is. should probably acknowledge that. So Robert Zemeckis famously Steven Spielberg's protege, right? And there's no one else that makes basically Steven Spielberg movies. Like Robert Zemeckis, basically, like Forrest Gump might as well be a Steven Spielberg movie along with everything else he makes. Um, he starts off his career with two not hits so he's like supposed to be like oh this guy spielberg it's his anointed guy that he makes um i want to hold your hand which yeah. is fine and used cars which is terrible yeah and then he doesn't get a hit until romancing the stone mm -hmm. which makes him huge 
And then he makes Back to the Future, and then it's then he been makes, nonstop for him. But Roger Rabbit, Back to the Future, after Back to yeah. the Future, yeah, mm-hmm. like very easily could not have been made, right. also because it was turned down like forty times. Well, for the reason we need to discuss, there's a lot of almost mom fucking in that. Yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah, and another Philip J. Fry moment. I was That's right. Philip J. Fry is actually oh a man. lesson in morality from Mister. I am my own grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually watching a clip uh, yesterday of it was Michael J. Fox, Christopher. For Lloyd and Leah Thompson on like Good Morning America yeah. on October. Um, oh, what the hell was the day? It was October twenty first, twenty fifteen. I, I think remember, is well. Right. That is okay. Back to the Future Day. Yeah. That's when Marty travels okay. and Back to yep. the Future too. So they did like that day was just Back to the Future was everywhere. Yeah. So they were on the morning show, and that got brought up on how it got turned down so many times. And Leah Thompson was like, "I found the script so fascinating." And <laughs> yes, like this is a big part of it. And there's so many ways that that could go wrong. So uh, she yeah. found it as such an interesting challenge sure. to like make it uh, interesting and like believable without venturing into like this Absolutely. is creepy and AF. She's- like she's like I'm sorry continue no but she specifically also shouted out to Disney she's like it's clear to me why Disney turned it down Uh, Um, but I'm just glad that they found someone that that said yes she actually gets I I don't think she gets enough credit uh, in those movies no she rules I think she's lights out good yeah to play someone who is themselves at I guess in her 40s and then someone who is that same character at 17 in the same movie and like Almost to the point where they feel like completely different characters. But also the same character. Yes. Which yes. is so... Yeah. Well, she's also just very funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in, in any of the age of the characters, very good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I actually, I listened on your your guys' suggestion, the Blank Check yes. um, like backstory yeah. episode, which was so fascinating. So and good. I, I think that they mentioned that she was actually a dancer or had a dance yeah, background. Yeah, true. And if you watch Lorraine's physicality mm-hmm. throughout the film, it is so interesting how she just changes her movements yeah. and changes her posture, yeah. and it is so effective. Yeah, and she's so good. It's perfect casting. Leah Thompson rules. That so was, she was my first uh, celebrity crush was Leah Thompson. You know who also has a huge crush on Leah Thompson? Kermit the Frog. Oh, yeah. Is that true? You, oh, yeah, absolutely true. true. In The Muppets <laughs> on ABC, um, yeah. when he and Miss Piggy, they're like talking about their dating history. You know how people have like, oh, well, if I run into one of these like five famous people in an elevator. <laughs> this is one of Leah Thompson. This is, his is yeah. Leah Thompson. And they actually have a scene where Leah Thompson goes in an elevator with him and he's like, um. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gonzo shows up and ruins the moment. As, as he would. As he should. As he Fucking would. name is Gonzo. Yeah. All right. Um, yes. You know who the, the unsung hero is of these movies though? Thomas F. Wilson. Yep. As yep. Biff Tannen. Oh, yeah. So uh, an actor no one fucking talks about ever. 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 When people talk about Back to the Future, they talk about, of course, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd. Sometimes they'll talk about Leah Thompson. And sometimes they'll talk about Crispin Glover and the fact that he's just in the one movie and he's the weirdest human being who ever lived. Yeah. And somehow they never talk about the guy who, in my opinion, is working the hardest in these movies, Thomas F. Wilson, who manages to be... Okay, well, actually, I have to go back a little bit to, like, wire Leah Thompson into this. This is the reason why these movies are so good. Ostensibly, they're about really trying to not fuck your mom. Uh, and <laughs> that that is the heart of the first movie. And that idea is so perverse and so depraved. But the movie manages to be wholesome. Yeah. Right? And actually, yeah. the trilogy is wholesome. Yeah. But you have to have a guy who's the villain who seems at times that he could actually be actually dangerous. Yeah but still be in a wholesome movie that has this mom-fucking element in it, right? 
And you get this guy, Thomas Wilson. He's the same age as the other leads in this movie, except for Christopher Lloyd, right? He's playing wildly different ages all over the place, and he's doing a great job. Yeah. And let's, you know, just unfortunately, he didn't get much of a career out of these movies at all. No. Of all of those no. people, the least career. The only he's... thing I think I remember seeing him in is he's the coach or the gym teacher in Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. And he's great for one in that. season. For, for one season. Yeah, for like but a one he's season perfect. Show. He's perfect for it. And he is kind of playing a biff, right? Sure. It's not that different, but like... That's not, but he's not that one dimensional. Like he's an excellent actor and he does so much stuff throughout. And those by movies. all accounts, like you read anything about Thomas L. Wilson, like the nicest guy, yeah. just like yeah. not someone Hollywood wanted. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's Biff, but let's not also forget he's Buford. And that is like <laughs> <laughs> mad dog, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, that's like Biff times a hundred. Yeah. So Thomas L. Wilson, I think that actor would be in his sixties now, which I think the, the the cast leads, except for Christopher Lloyd, who obviously is much older, would be in their sixties now. Yeah. That's not too late for a career resurgence. No. I hope people our age, now that the millennials kind of have the remote control on Hollywood, I hope someone like kind of looks at the Thomas L. Wilson performance as just like. We need Biff. Yeah. We need Biff to do something. Like, put that fucking guy in Stranger Things. Yeah, you know what I mean? That would be sick. Oh, man. That's it. Biff yeah. is like, yeah, but you don't know, have him play like the, uh, you know, the, the horrible casino owner. <laughs> that, the, the Donald Trump version of Biff. Yeah, the Donald Biff, Trump yeah. version of Biff. Uh, but no, these movies are really special. And they're movies that, you know, like you said, it's weird because a lot of studios passed on it because of. It was too wholesome. The right? mom fucking also was not helpful. That was that that Disney post well, Disney passed on it for that. Marty very much is not the one chasing his mom. Oh no, she's chasing him. That's she's the only reason him. why it works. Right. If it was the other way, the movie would never get made. But also, like he he's just very like I just gotta keep everyone at bay. <laughs> and right. Do, no, absolutely. You know. The movie only works because the plot is explicitly not. I really need to not fuck my mom somehow, yeah. right? That no, would yeah. not work as a yeah. film. No, he's yeah. very like, let's not have this happen. Right. You're great, Lorraine, but like this is <laughs> it's like, not oh, gonna it's go. not gonna work. <laughs> the best is like when they're sitting eating dinner and like she like grabs him on the leg and he's like, I gotta go! Yeah. He just, just like, jumps up and yeah. leaves. <laughs> it's a wild plot. The plot is so wild. Like the plot on its surface is so wild just being like, All right, everything's gonna be fine. This time travel happened by accident, everything's gonna be fine. Oh no, I've destroyed my own heritage. How do I I'll just I just need to get my parents to fuck. Hilariously is the plot. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay, how hard could this be? And then he sees his dad and he's like, No one would fuck this guy. <laughs> right. And somehow that's the plot of like America's like most beloved family film. Yep. That's the plot. Yeah. Right? Like to explain to a child, like, what would you have to say? She wants to fuck him, but she doesn't know that that's her son. Yeah. He knows that that's his mom. She's trying to not fuck this other guy. It's a, it's wild. It's it, wild that this is a big family film. It's also kind of wild and not in that way. <laughs> but also, like the premise of Marty and Doc's friendship may is is not nondescript and not so really the, existent. There's a huge John Mulaney bit on that, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Famously, yeah. yeah oh. It's like it it hinges on the amplifier. I th yeah, people think because Doc has the big amplifier and Marty plays guitar, that's why. But I think there's, there's I don't know how. How a, how a defamed scientist who burnt down his own mansion for money. That's alluded to. I don't think it's been proven. It happened. But like it's, it's, I mean, it's, all, it's, it's confirmed. It's just... It's, we know, we know that's mansion true. for the insurance money who steals plutonium to from from Libyans yes to drive a time machine <laughs> is friends with this 17-year-old like slacker high school kid. It makes no sense, but like it's perfect. 
And without it, we wouldn't have one of your favorite cartoons, Rick and Morty, right? Oh, yeah. I've heard it defended like this, and I enjoy this, which is that Marty... I know there's not a lot of screen time. It's a shorter film, but, like, Marty doesn't have a good relationship with his dad. Yeah. And, like, doesn't have, like, a father figure. And, um... Seems like weirdly like kind of like a lost kid, even though he's cute and has like a cute girlfriend and people seem to like him. I don't know. Some things don't add up. But yeah, it's you, you kind of just have to go in willing suspension of disbelief. Like, yeah, these two are friends. I don't yeah. know. He does odd jobs for this old scientist. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, also, what age is Christopher Lloyd in these movies? Um, oh he's my God. all ages. I have a question. Here's the, here's the tough one. Because we can accept that in the 80s, he's some kind of old, right? Yeah. He's in the 70s or 80s. That's fine. So how old is he supposed to be in the 50s? And why does he look exactly the same? I think in the 80s, he's supposed to be... In his 30s? 40s, right? I don't... Okay, but even if that's oh, yeah. true, no. what the fuck? No, no, he's supposed to be in his... No. No, he's got to be in his like 60s or... Yeah, Christopher Lloyd, I think, was in his... No, I don't mean the actor. Yeah. No. The character Doc Brown. Yeah. Character Doc Brown has got to be in his 60s or 70s. In, in the 50s. In, in, in the 80s. In the 80s. So that... How old does that make him in the 50s? Like 40? Yeah. He does not look 40. He does not look 40 by 2020 standards. Uh, Dude, yes. 1985 standards are different, I don't know, man. man. This is Aunt May all over again. Because a 50-year-old in the 60s looks way different than a 50-year-old in 2020. Christopher Lloyd's Doc Brown character in the 50s, the one that we travel back to yeah. see, is the oldest adult in the film. Okay. <laughs> He looks older well, than everyone else. To be fair, also yes. though, Principal yes. Strickland looks exactly the same. That is also. true, but that is there's a joke made of that specifically, but not one made about Christopher Lloyd looking yeah. the same. Yeah. Well, because I, they I do, think they do make a joke about it. They actually they acknowledge it, right? Because he um, he removes his face or whatever in the <laughs> second movie. I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah. He no, like he, he takes off his face like he had like a plastic surgery thing done, right? Yeah, he just yeah, looks yeah. exactly Do the same. Remember this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Oh, I've rejuvenated into my skin," right? And he takes it off and he looks exactly the same as his 1950s <gasps> counterpart. So they don't have to acknowledge that they would look different. What's crazy about it though is that because we see Doc as looking so old in the 80s in that movie, when you see Christopher Lloyd like now, he looks he doesn't look as old as he actually is because Christopher Lloyd has been an old man in our Sure. In our point of view, for forty years, Christopher Lloyd has never been allowed to, been allowed to play a young character. No, no, no. <laughs> Once on Taxi, Taxi kind of, right. but like oh, even Re- then, Reverend Jim. Yeah, so you know, uh, Christopher Lloyd. Oh man, oh, he, I, that's you know, Chris. I'm happy that Christopher Lloyd is still with us. It's great. He rules. Um, he's great. He rules. I, 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 we just saw him in. Uh, I saw him in Nobody. Yeah, he plays uh, Odenkirk's dad in that oh, yeah. movie. Yeah, he has a great. Um, guest spot on Mark Maron's podcast WTF Christopher Lloyd does a oh yeah a, oh cool yeah it's it's a cool listen that's great let's check I it out I want to say Christopher Lloyd is like uh, is he like 90 now he's got to be close maybe or maybe mid 80s uh, he also has old. like no intentions of stopping no nor should he yeah, he just did a I Rick and him. Morty commercial yeah with the kid who plays Bill from It so that's the other thing we should mention is that this movie's cultural impact is seismic yeah right yeah. it changes everything, everything in the culture American culture almost entirely draws itself back to back to the future at certain points and in our current like in our in our present or our recent present uh, also known as the recent past um, <laughs> you know Futurama Rick and Morty all these things are Even, just directly dude, well, from Avengers Endgame yeah, other, Back to the Future yeah other time travel movies or other films that reference time travel point back to like how it works in Back to the Future right. as if Back to the Future is a movie in their universe where the time travel is happening like right. it's just it also does something so smart which makes it in my opinion something that Americans can't help but keep going back to 
because the two decades it plays with, the 1950s and the 1980s, are two central decades for American prosperity. Yep. People always remember like the quote-unquote good times of the 1950s and 1980s. Now, look, we can look back and say, hey, there's a lot of things that are deeply flawed about the 1950s and 1980s, but um, living people living people currently still remember those two decades with fondness. You have the eldest of the boomers who were alive in the 50s where they were very young, and they remember this as like a pastoral, innocent time where America was just shiny and new and had a ton of promise, right? And then you have the 80s who for Gen X, that was their shiny new time, right? And then you have both these groups together now in uh, positions of prominence, especially the folks who are in charge of culture. For millennials, we see Back to the Future as kind of like, oh, a fun artifact because the 50s and 80s don't have that same uh, meaning for us. But um, Back to the Future lives on just because of the roles that those two decades play in the minds of living Americans. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's, that's one of those things where, you know, I think we as millennials definitely will look more towards the 90s as our for, thing. For sure. That's our, that's our, that's our home base. That's our home base. But like, yeah, the 80s and 50s had that real kind of, real kind of, you know, whether it's a facade, whether it's not true, whether it's whatever, it doesn't matter. The way history and film and entertainment cover the 50s and 80s is that they were perfect. Sure. Back to the Future also, by the way, smartly, I think really lampoons those two eras in a way that yeah. is smart. Yeah. Uh, even though it's being made in the 80s, the yeah. way it's lampooning its own time is nice. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that the first movie ends and the happy ending for the McFly family is that they are the epitome of 80s yuppies, yeah. right? They have a ton of money. He's a published sci-fi author, yeah. and they're dressed like they're just, you know, walking out of like a, you know, 80s music video. Shoulder pads. And, yeah, so shoulder, many shoulder pads, pads. And they look like they just drank a fucking can of Slim Fast. And like, you know, it's a, it's kind of cloying, actually, but... So, I think Zemeckis does this on purpose. It's tongue-in-cheek. It's good. But, but it's also, you know, when we look at how... When we look at the 50s, it's like the 50s were, like you said, this pastoral, like, perfect, squeaky clean time. Right. And like, Sock hops and grease yeah. and shit. Yeah. But like, he but pops like, into town and they're playing Mr. Sandman. Exactly. And, like, yeah. four guys come out to, like, wipe the car down and yeah. everything's, like, right. literally but, shining. Yeah, right. We, exactly. We can't forget some of the stuff in Back to the Future that's just like, hey, guys, yeah, we get it. The 50s were pristine when we look back and watch, what you know... Uh, leave it to Beaver and stuff like that. The fifties had their stuff, and that's kind of what the fifties segments do. Is you know, it's like yeah, people were you know, people were just as awful and rotten then. It's just that sure. we have this sheen put over it. So at the same time, while it celebrates the fifties, like you said, it also kind of lampoons the fifties as kind of like yeah. what you thought was going on, or just because you think it's perfect doesn't mean it is. It's almost like Zemeckis. And Zemeckis and um, the other writers on the film Bob were kind of what Bob Gale, Bob yeah, Gale. Bob Gale. We're kind of like going, to, hey folks, to their parents. It's almost like they're making this movie to be like, hey parents, yeah, we know what you were actually doing in the fifties. Like well, we yeah. get it. That's that's Marty in the car with Lorraine before yes. the dance, and yes. he's yes. convinced that he's gonna have to make her uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. all right, so I'm gonna like make a move on Lorraine. She's not gonna like it. You're gonna come in, George, and then you're gonna beat me up. And he sits in the car and Lorraine pulls out like a fucking flask yeah, and lights up a cigarette. Go. And she's like, what do you think? I'm a nun. But yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. I like completely thrown off guard because all that she said to him as a parent yeah, right. has been like, I was never calling boys or talking to boys. And he's like, OK, I know my mom. Sure. I know that this is how she's going to react. And he's like, oh, no. Nope. So, so what they're telling you is that our parents are full of it. Right. Yeah. Your parents are full of it. Yeah. To uh, a degree. And uh, Glover, Wilson, and, and Thompson have the toughest scene in that movie where, like, the for me, like, the, the pastoral 50s yeah. perfection is totally broken where you're like, 
oh, if Crispin Glover fucks this up, Biff is going to rape Lorraine yes. in this car. Yes. That yeah. happens in the family yes. film, right? Yes. It's very close to yes. happening. And you're like, oh, this happened in the 50s, right? Yeah. This yeah. almost happens right now. Right now, all the time. And there's not not there's not always someone there to stop it. So it's it's terrifying to see. And her like, face, she looks so scared. Like it's a really good scene. Like yeah. they acted well. Yeah. It's, you know, the, thing, the more things change, the more they remain the same. So, um, at, at this point in the show, I usually like to... What's up? I realized we didn't throw it to you, your first experience oh, with Back to the Future. Um, at this point, it's far too late in the show. <laughs> no, you have to do it now, because uh, now we're making a thing All right, we'll yeah. go back in time, Gotta and uh, in I'll hop into my DeLorean. Time. My first experience with Back to the Future was when I was a little kid. I either watched it on TV, or I watched it on the videotape, or something similar to what you had, Amanda. I was obsessed. So, I used to, at some point, for some christmas birthday whatever someone in my family got me this blue and green plaid vest and i was like two or three years old it might have been three or four years old and i hated it at first and then i realized that marty wears the vest so i used to wear this vest all the time and i would that would be like in like you know we would play ninja turtles and stuff but that was always who i was i was always like a sweater vest no 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 like a like a like, like a vest with a, zip, with a oh, zipper oh oh like the puffy vest like yeah. a puffy vest kind of and it was like a plaid puffy vest but it wasn't like a life preserver it just was like a puffy vest and i would wear it and my mom has home videos of me somewhere like that was what i would play as i would make believe as marty mcfly and I would do the rock and roll thing. Like there's a video of me when I was like three years old using a T-ball thing as a microphone stand. <laughs> yes. And rocking out at like three or four years old. And like when I started to play music, I'm like, oh, where did this come from? And then I remembered that video and I'm like, oh, no, no, this has always been here, you know? So I think a lot of my connection to Back to the Future is that it was just so influential on me as a kid that it just became part of who I was. And I've always kind of... Like, you know, Marty McFly, Michael J. Fox are, are folks that they're these kind of manic, wiry, wacky characters, right? And I think a lot of my personality traits fall in line with with a lot of with with this character and with uh, and with Michael J. Fox in general. Yeah. So I think I've always kind of I don't want to say identified with it, but it's definitely something where it's like this feels like this this is a me character. You know, so I always feel like I've always connected to the movies that way to the point where like, you know, and I'll get more into this in my pitch. When you go and watch Spider-Man uh, Homecoming and Far From Home, you notice that, and Tom Holland has said this, Tom Holland's Peter Parker is 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 is, is very influenced by Marty uh, by Marty McFly. Sure, very much. I mean, He's kind of absolutely like manic, kind of wiry, sure. kind of energetic, energetic thing. So, I, I've they always have a similar kinda, energy. Yeah, yeah there's well, similar energy. To go back to what you said before, he's like a cute guy who has yeah. like a relationship and all that, and is known by everyone, but is also seemingly like as Peter Parker, yeah, kind of that's true pushed yeah. to the side. Yeah. That's a good parallel. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. And when you're making these Spider-Man movies that he's like in high school, it kind of parallels Back to the Future to a degree, especially since they also travel through time and the Avengers games and, and movies and stuff like that. But no, that's always how I connect with Back to the Future. I love these movies. I feel like there's... I also like zany, you know, sci-fi comedies. We've talked about this a lot. Like, of my favorite movies, Back to the Future and Ghostbusters are in the top 10. Sure. As is 
Batman 89. And they're in the same genre. The, exactly. the 80s special effects comedy. Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah. it's things we don't see anymore. And right. I love the ride, and I love the games, and I love the comic books, and the cartoon was all right. But, you know, it's one of those things where I was just always really loved this. This has been part of, like, my entertainment culture and part of my my personal entertainment what, culture. What's forever. your order of... I think I'm probably the same as Amanda and probably one three two. One three two as well. Yeah. So none of us did the typical because no. typically it's one two three for, yeah. for everybody. Yeah, I don't know. I think three is a little better, but I might be wrong. Uh, I might be wrong. I haven't watched two in a long time. I got to sit down and watch I it think again. Just because three is so different. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. different characters. Yeah. It's just it's when it's a different pace. Yeah. Yeah. Other, the other two movies are like manic. Three is just kind of like hey, well, here, think, you're here in the West. Well, yep. it's it's crazy though because when you talk about manic, you can really see in the first movie when we watched it. We were watching it earlier today. You can see that Michael J. Fox is like not on the planet. Like dude was sleeping for like two hours a day. <laughs> right in a and truck. And he's just yeah. like completely like. <laughs> Like to, he 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 doesn't know what's going on. I would like to know if he like remembers making the movie. He says he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. That's that's been a thing. Yeah. Like, I, one of my like big life goals is to just meet Michael J. Fox. It's probably at not some that point. hard. I I love Michael J. Fox not only as an actor. I find him to be a very uh, inspiring person. Sure. Just in his attitude toward life and and everything. So uh, Michael J. Fox, if you ever hear this, I would love to meet you and pick your brain and just talk about everything that being one of them do you remember the film if not can we watch it <laughs> and can i ask you a whole watch lot of it questions together. yes i gotta i gotta have a bunch of questions to ask but listen big goals okay i'm just putting it out in the universe it may or may not happen but gotta, so, gotta say <laughs> so normally like at this part of the show we like to talk about like what they get wrong about back to the future or what whatnot or what's bad about it and there's nothing bad about it like these are great but there's something you could mention but what's that just because of who's in charge of Hollywood right yes. now and the content wars or whatever, everybody like can't fucking wait to remake this yes. thing. And yes. that's so dangerous. I do yeah. not. I think that Back to the Future should not ever be remade. I agree. I, it should not ever be remade. I think that the movies are great as they are. I don't think, I think this is one of the franchises out there. And I think we all agree on this. Never remake this. Never, ever, ever remake this. If you want to do more with it, fine. Do not remake sure. it. So luckily Zemeckis and Spielberg also feel this way, but you know they're only going to have the reins for so long. Yeah, before the studio step in and be like, we're remaking Back to the Future and right. it's going to be That would be a bad day. Yeah. I agree with both of you wholeheartedly. I do not think they should remake it. Yeah. I know myself, though, that if they did, I would be there on Absolutely. opening day. And I would be mad about uh, it, but I would still no, be there. I would, no, I wouldn't. It did, I, wouldn't I respect that. I respect yeah. that. I, again, don't think they should remake it. I agree 100%. Still need to see it. I, I would entertain a continuation. Yes. If they're like, this is a property, which we might have in our pitches, by the way. This is a property set in the universe of Back to the Future, Absolutely. or this is 30 years later, or whatever. But anything that effectively rewrites the original stories, I have no, no interest in. I hate fucking Agreed. reboots like that. It was no the thing. same shit that went down for me with Ghostbusters. I can't do it. No. And hopefully Ghostbusters Afterlife is at least okay. Did that open yet? Uh, I don't know. I think As of this recording, I got, think it is not open it's yet. It's not open yet, I yeah. don't think. But it's got a Rotten Tomatoes score out there. I don't know. It's apparently fine. Like, it's like in the 70s right now, so. Okay. Acceptable. Acceptable. Except it's, it's no Dune, but. What is? What is? Nothing, actually. Everything needs a big worm. How yeah. you Dune? How you Dune? Oh. So let's pitch. <laughs> let's throw this pitch. Uh, Amanda, since you're the guest and you're this is your favorite movie ever, why don't you start it off? <laughs> Okay. Well, I just heard Amanda's pitch, and I've come back to tell you it was great. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was great. I'm here to live it a second time. So good. Also, I'm out of plutonium, and that might be a problem. No, it's a problem. We can find some. I did see some Libyans. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, so we've been we have been talking about doing this episode for a long time. Yes. yes. And it being my favorite film franchise, I felt a lot of like pressure on myself to make this like very big uh, like plot completely thought out pitch. <laughs> okay. Which is not what happened at all. Oh, wow. so However, I had I've had a pitch idea for a, a long time. I've had the idea okay. for a long time. This morning while watching the movie, I came up with another one and have a mind map of my second pitch. So I now have several when I went Great. from not yeah. really having Okay. Grown. So, so to, let, let's start with pitch number one. To visualize for the listener, Amanda has a sketchbook with pages of notes now. Yes. Okay, pages, pages of notes. Pages of notes. Okay, uh, so she started off by saying she didn't prep and has come in more prepared yeah, was, than anybody ever. She tried to like she I tried wrote, to be like, I'm just like you guys. I don't do any work before the show. This <laughs> this happened in five minutes. So I don't remember how Michael J. Fox remembers experiencing the filming <laughs> of Back to the Future. That is what happened with these notes. So, so who uh, gave me right. the best pitch? Okay, so I have a couple little ones you uh, say to the lead thing, into. You say the thing. How about this? Ooh, back in time. How about this? I think it's too. This darn isn't loud. A, a full pitch, but Mike, that's a great lead in. I want to hear the uh, the demo tape that the Pinheads recorded and Marty <laughs> refused to send into the studio. Yes. I am very big about like books with pockets with letters of things that tell you like the little things that happen that aren't really part of the story but are just part of the universe. I want that tape. I want it as a cassette tape. I don't want it as a streaming service. I don't want it as a CD. I want it as a cassette tape uh, and I want uh, it to be the recording of like the four tracks that the Pinheads put down that may end up getting sent to the studio, but Marty just can't handle that kind of rejection. Do we think they're good? Yeah, I mean, I'm all about them in their like 30 seconds of audition before Huey Lewis yeah. so really cuts them off. So I'm... I'm a fan of that. And you imagine you they're tell, a good band. Yeah. Unjustly cut off by Huey Lewis. Absolutely. Okay. I don't think they're too loud. I think they would have rocked the uh, rocked the dance. So right. I want to hear I that. I mean, he clearly does rock the dance. I mean, all inclinations <laughs> is that Marty Hoopfly is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Michael J. Fox is actually a good guitar player. I bet. Yeah. 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 I believe it. Um, second thing. This isn't a huge pitch either. I just really want to see it um, because I've been watching like videos talking about the making of or, or interviews. I want more of the Eric Stoltz footage. I just want to see what that looks like because yeah. they've released a total of 25 seconds of it. I've seen still photos and yeah. it just looks like such a different Marty McFly. He's it looks still like in the film a bit, actually. There's a couple yeah, of shots, couple shots from the back where it's him. He punches yeah. Biff in the, yep. uh, in the cafe. Yeah. You know, um, Tom Wilson is quoted as not remembering shooting that angle with Michael J. Fox. So mm -hmm. he's like, so the angle in the movie has to be Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Um, and it's just the back of his head and you wouldn't notice it otherwise, but... Tangent, now that you brought this up, what a wildly different film franchise he's that so, would be with Eric Yeah, because Eric Stoltz is like he, too cool, right? He in he's the stills cool. looks he's, so emo. He's also like pretty. Yeah. And he's tall. And yeah. he's like, it's a totally different vibe. Yeah. Stoltz is like a big, like kind of foxy teen guy marty's like a little cute squirrel that's yeah. what that, that's what you want yeah you know you don't want mr cool dealing with the effects of time travel and trying he would fuck his mom that's the problem i think that was the problem with eric stoltz they're looking at him and leah thompson yeah. on screen being like these two are gonna fuck now no, right that's what they had to back off of i've seen like some of the still photos and he's like dressed all in black and he looks super yeah. broody he's hot and i'm like eric stoltz is really good looking that's the problem so not that michael j fox isn't but there's a 
inimitable cuteness about Michael J. Fox. I think you need to really well, sell that film. He's got an innocence. Right. He's got an innocence. That's the wholesome quality yeah. that they needed. He's completely wholesome and innocent. But he's also cute. Like, I yeah. would describe, oh, no, he's like, Michael adorable. J. Fox, I would say he's sexy. And that's a thing when he was cast in um, Family Ties. I don't think they ever thought that he was going to take off as like a teen idol they were like here's this right. cute guy but like no he took off as like a is, teen idol is he i love michael j fox is he sexy would we use the word sexy i would absolutely would i absolutely would michael j know, fox bud. if you're listening hello hey what can you do oh Jesus. i would All i'm right. sorry i don't know sorry, not yeah, he's sorry. real cute i'm I not saying michael he's not i think he's adorable but like i don't know i never like ah you know what let's not get into it just <laughs> I'm just going to say... Eric Stoltz, I look at him like, yes, I totally get it. Michael J. Fox is like, I don't know. Do women really look at that guy like, I want to fuck him, right? Probably. I think so. Okay. Hey, man, there's something for everyone. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, (laughs) He's got you feeling some kind of way. I got it. I got it. So I have have two, like, actual pitches. All right. Um, I'm going to lead with the fever dream I had this morning first. I wasn't sure which order to We love a fever dream. Half this podcast is a fever dream. (laughs) Yes. And half of it's on, uh, we come up with on the seat, by the seat of our pants. Correct. Mike and I do half of these, like we have no fucking clue. I have no idea. Yeah. Just wait until we have to. Then you end up with Alien vs. Predator vs. the Fast and Furious movies. That That would would be That would work. That would work. (laughs) So, it. I've realized why it was so difficult for me to come up with a pitch at first because Back to the Future has been everything. It has literally yeah. been everything. It's three movies. It has a cartoon, which actually I have not really watched the cartoon, so that's more yeah. content for me. I know, yeah. I know, but I still want to watch it. It's been comics. It's been a video game that you play through a full sure. different story. It's been a ride. It's it is yet. currently a musical. Right. It is a stage musical with, that uh, I Roger Bart plays Doc, I think. I think so. Yeah. But they they do apparently like the tech on the DeLorean with the clock tower and everything is awesome it's been a theme park ride i own the cookbook it's been so many things so uh, to and i agree with you i don't want to do a remake of the movie right but but if you do please by all means don't let me diminish your uh, as as we all know i am a big theme park head i'm a big theme park fan and it has been a ride but how about this there's a power love this would need to be um I'm not wearing my glasses and I can't see my notes, so I'm just gonna rip something out of my bag. I'm This is the bag. sound of Amanda not getting her glasses. That is not what is happening right Billy now. Billy Billy. Billy Billy. I can't see Billy Billy. anything. Okay. Billy Billy. Snap. They're on my. Okay. All right. All right. Back to the back the to the podcast. The foley work is amazing. She's not doing anything. She's moving her hands around. I know. It's crazy stuff. <laughs> so this. This pitch uh, initially wasn't intended to be contained in a theme park, but I think that is the only way monetarily that it could ever happen. If money wasn't a thing, take it out and have it as its own thing. But in the world, I don't think it would be able to. It would be way too expensive to experience. So it has has been a theme park ride. It was a big motion simulator that could, is now uh, where the Simpsons ride is in Universal Studios. So it has the capacity for like i think a hundred people flux? or something yeah it has the flux capacity yeah. of of a lot of people <laughs> yeah. at one time welcome for that well done well done what i would like however is more of an immersive experience mm-hmm. which is why i think it would have to be contained at a theme park um amanda and i have the same pitch 
Really? Yes. But it's okay. I want, <laughs> I want to let her do her whole thing, and then I'll just be, I'll be an add-on at the end. Okay. So similar to, this is the only thing I could think, but like, you all remember the restaurant Mars 2112? Absolutely. Yes. New York like... City staple, mid to one, many a birthday party there. Yes. yes. So similar to that, but like with also an escape room vibe. Also, this is not the first time I've brought escape rooms into this, and I need to note I've never done an escape room. Um, so... Relative to Mars 2112, <laughs> though, Amanda, um, will the chicken fingers cost $30? Yes. Will they be good? And fries are a la carte. Fries are, each fry uh, is a separate charge. <laughs> All right, yes. So. This is the same charm as Mars 2112. 10 cents per fry. Each Correct. Marty McFry uh, is. <laughs> the Marty McFries! Oh, too good. Uh, how, how how were the chicken fingers at 2112? Bad. Good to know. I mean, you didn't I never really went. go there for that. I knew what it was. I mean, so they, that's been. why they closed. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean. um, but basically... The uh, the premise would be that you walk into like, um, again, this was a fever dream earlier today. I don't have all the details completely ironed out after I'm done with this. If you have any ideas for like specific details, please chime in and let me know. Oh, we will. But yeah, you'll um, you walk in and you're either in a parking lot or a parking garage scenario and there is a host to your experience. There's a lot of yes and in this, which if you're familiar with improv, you get. If not, like don't disagree with anything that the actors and the experience are presenting to you as fact. Okay. So there is someone that acts as like a host. So either like your Aunt Eileen or like Uncle Tim or something like that. It's it's presumed he's a relative of yours in your party. You've gone to a mall or something. You're looking for your car in the parking garage or the parking lot. And you stumble on a VW bus. You have a big group with you. This is meant for a larger group. Your Uncle Tim or Aunt Marlene or whatever you want to call it, that, that, that actor that's in that position mistakes this as theirs that you all arrived in. So you kind of mistakenly walk into this VW bus that is not theirs, but is actually like a prototype abandoned um, self-driving vehicle that Doc has like mistakenly left there. So the second you all walk in and sit down, the doors lock behind you and a screen pops on. It's got Apple CarPlay and all that because you're in the current timeline and it's Doc what are you doing in the blah, blah, VW bus? Blah, blah, blah. Yes, okay. So it's got like an automatic start. So you just walk in, doors lock behind you, the car starts, and you're like, this isn't ours. Your aunt or uncle was like, oh no, I don't think this is my bus. I don't have any of these yeah, things. That's great. Um, so everyone gets in, car starts, it drives itself. So it is a self-driving car. Um, so the video of Doc plays and explains the details of the bus it's a self-driving prototype it's got some special features and you're thinking like heated seats which it has it has like a party sound system it's meant to be like a self-driving party bus i'm not getting out of the car no the car's too nice yeah um but he warns not to drive it or set it too fast because there are some kinks that he's still kind of working out uh, in the video, Doc suggests that you download an app to your phone that'll help oh, okay. you operate the, nice. the features of the car and whatnot. So you're probably before doing this, like told like, hey, you should download this app before experiencing this ride X, Y, Z. But it's part of the like instructional video that you see on every ride that tells you like, don't put your arms and legs outside of whatnot. It's got that kind of vibe to it. Mm. Clearly, he's uh, warned you not to drive it too fast. So what happens? It 
starts to go fast. It starts to go way fast. But in going way fast, it act, act like accidentally activates all of the special features. So it's got like a party time theme. There's a disco ball. You've got Huey Lewis like it's blasting like loud. Your aunt it's or uncle. Exactly. <laughs> um, your aunt or uncle who's in the driver's seat is freaking out at this point, but is kind of like the robot in Star Tours. So it's like it's a R2 fun. scream. Exactly. It's like, oh, no, I don't know where we're going. Everybody buckle your seatbelts. Oh. Yeah, you look into the cockpit. It's gone. Gonzo and Rizzo are driving, and you know you're fucked. Yeah. Hey, where are we going? Okay, so scratch that. Gonzo and Rizzo are driving. <laughs> um, gotta bring the Muppets into every pitch that I ever do. Have Muppets done time travel? Probably. Uh, That's a good mashup. They should. That's a good. They should. Muppets to the future. They absolutely Muppets should. Time Muppets time machine. It's a hot tub time machine. <laughs> wow. That's very good. Oh, Gonzo and Pepe's excellent adventure. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that. So what I Disney <laughs> Plus the really dark it. version. It's it's Looper, but it's Fozzie. <laughs> oh my God! Waka waka, waka um, waka. <laughs> but yeah, so you're driving too fast. Everything's happening. Bells and whistles going off. The video is glitching in and out. Your apps are hopefully downloaded. And about bing, bada boom, you're back in 1955. Um, there was some like inherent programming in this bus. I think he took some tech from the time machine and accidentally like installed it in this bus. But it brings you back to November 12th, 1955, which is the day that lightning strikes the clock tower. So um, I, awesome. I think that you might pull up or the bus might appear in the high school parking lot because you need to be in proximity to the enchantment under the sea dance. And also like the goal of this is to meet up with Doc and Marty and have them help you get back to your current timeline. Like so it. there is an actor as Doc. There's an actor as Marty. There's a lot of actors, which is why I think this would have to take place at a theme park because the overhead is so big that I think that if you were to experience this in a warehouse or some setting, it would be like a thousand dollar experience uh, per person to pay everyone. Sure, so of like, course. but if infinite time and infinite money, this would be its own thing. I like theme parks. Let's put it in theme park as an additional paid experience, like the keys to the kingdom tour or whatever like that at Disney World. So basically, you have to find Doc and Marty to get back home. Um, you just kind of like throw logic out the window and the app you downloaded works. So it'll give you like clues and prompts to help you get through this quicker because there's people behind you also in the experience. So like you can only be one group at a time going so it definitely leads you around a bit so you're not in there for like three hours lost not knowing where to go it kind of it does guide you um what i didn't realize at first because i just kind of picked the vw bus yeah that is the car that the uh libyans show up in the parking lot in that's right to come after doc so i think when you first run into marty you might pull up like right where marty is <laughs> he starts freaking out that they somehow chased him back in time that's great and then realizes like oh no it's just a party bus how'd you guys get here okay let's figure it out so that's just like a little tie-in that i didn't anticipate but when i was watching it this morning that scene was on like as i was scribbling and i was like oh Olivia's. well i didn't plan that but that works <laughs> um i was like i'm just looking for like a big also not that commonly seen car because like i feel like you don't see vw buses all the oh. time much as you don't really see deloreans all the time so just something yeah. that had a, uh, a flux DeLorean capacity is, delorean is a piece of trash <laughs> it really is it's a terrible car it just looks cool you leave the DeLorean alone. No, it was like... You might be right. Even in the 80s, considered like a bad car. It's true. Yeah. But because of... Back to the Future kind of saved the DeLorean. Yeah. Now, well, now it would be yeah. cool to own one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I own the um, 
the, the sixth toy. scale model replica of the DeLorean time machine. What, that's amazing. It's still in the box. I need to find a home for it. Cause yeah, well, that fun. should be prominently displayed. I oh, My goal is to build a glass coffee table around it. I also have the to scale Marty replica from the first film. So I wanted to, to scale. Yeah. Well, six, it's six one scale. Six, one six, one six. Oh, scale. Oh, my God. One Imagine. six scale, but it's Michael J. Fox, so it's more like one eight scale. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> no, he's tiny, he's a small man. It, it was it was cheaper than the other figures because it's so much smaller. Is Michael J. Fox actually a squirrel? Yes. Have we? Has anyone done a test? Uh, I think we need to figure this out. Michael J. I Fox, just, if you're listening, please let us know. I he suspect, no like right up his back, is a bushy tail. Probably. He like it. a cute, I a mean, cute listen, bushy I, tail. I saw Team Wolf. I, yeah, boy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 we did. We watched Teen that fairly boy. recently. All right, just it happened. Hot take on this episode: Teen Wolf is bad. That movie is uh, bad. All right, no, it's not good, but it is fun. It is fun. Fun, but it's not bad. Good. Ba- bad fun. You should not schedule an evening around Teen Wolf. We did. That's a bad. It idea. has. Well, hear me out though. It sits in my range of a certain score on Rotten Tomatoes, where like I feel like everyone else would be like, "That's a terrible I think film. Teen Please Wolf never has watch." A Twelve. That's awesome. Or a Twenty. That sounds like a, a, so, an accomplishment. Can we just do a brief aside during your pitch? Yes. Which is so rude to you, and I apologize, yeah. but I think it'd be fun for you. What is your favorite Michael J. Fox thing that isn't Back to the Future? And we can all we can all have one of these. And it could be like he had an appearance or he did a TV show or maybe a movie or a voice. Uh, I have mine, uh, which I will now plug. And it, it might be yours too. There's oh, a movie called yeah. The Frighteners. Oh! Which I think rules. Um, friend of the show, Evan Donnellan, loves this movie and I think was the one that introduced me to The Frighteners. I think that's totally true. And I've mentioned The Frighteners on this podcast before. It's a mid-90s special effects comedy, actually very much in the vein of Ghostbusters. And in many ways, it's kind of the last one of those. Yep. Like, it was kind of the last 80s special effects comedy, even though it was the 90s. And Michael J. Fox is completely charming as the lead of that film. Yep. And I, I adore that movie. Yeah, we um, actually watched that yeah, on your recommendation yep. a couple of years yeah. back. It I, was great. I lo- it's great. The special effects are not quite there for it. It's uh, almost looks good. Like, some of those effects just didn't age well. But it's a really good movie. Like, definitely, listener, if you haven't heard it, I haven't seen it, rather, uh, go see and hear it. Uh, go see The Frighteners. Other Michael J. Fox projects. Um, I'm gonna bring it back to the beginning. If I like do a search, I'm gonna come up with a different answer. But I loved Spin City. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah, loved Spin City. I loved the um the kind of chaotic energy on that, and the fact that like Barry Bostwick is the mayor and is just like in outer space, and it's like Michael J. Fox trying to hold down the fort for everyone just running around like crazy. Like yeah. it was. I loved that show. And also, like, it's just a lot of Michael J. Fox. When you have him on a TV, like, he's a great actor, but he's a great television actor. His oh, comedic yeah. timing, impeccable. Again, his um, timing is what makes these movies yeah. work. Yeah. Well, t- without yeah. Michael J. Fox, these movies don't work. No. That's yep. why they literally had to reshoot. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Do you have something? I think it might be Spin City as well. I'm trying to think of more it stuff. It was a great show. <clears throat> more stuff. I don't really... I have one other movie I, I bring up quite a bit with Michael J. Fox, which is Doc Hollywood. Oh, I haven't seen that. Doc Hollywood rules. It is the plot to Cars. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know if Cars ever gave it that credit, but he's, he's a big city <laughs> doctor who's trapped in this small town and kind of like comes to love life in the small town, even though he's trying to get out of it. And he falls in love with a girl there, and it's a it's a whole thing. But he's to- totally charming in that movie. Um, it's great. I am often sad about Michael J. Fox because I wonder if he had not gotten sick. Um, where his career might have yeah. taken him. But he's done amazing things yeah. even with his well, yeah. uh, my, condition. My favorite thing, here, 
I'll bring it back to this. My my favorite thing that he is currently doing is um, the Michael J. Fox like Foundation for Parkinson's research. Yeah, of course, yeah. um, the fact that he has kind of taken his platform that he has, but also his positivity and his goal to kind of make life easier for anyone that might be affected by that. Um, they offer a lot of resources that I wasn't fully aware of until like recently, but it's just it's a a great. Thing that he's doing and has established for that whole um, for anyone anyone dealing with that so uh, not um, excluding performances just something that he as a person is perpetuating and doing has been yeah. very meaningful for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, but as, as like a television appearance I was working I was working at Zimberger at the time and we had TVs all around the restaurant and one of them mostly played sports but one of them was doing a um, a profile on like hockey Mm-hmm. But it was Michael J. Fox was there and it was current Michael J. Fox fully like, yeah, I have Parkinson's, you know, some days are good, some days are bad. But he was lacing up his hockey skates and just kind of giving it a go. And it oh, was cool. just like kind of looking up and just seeing that little blip. Like, I don't even remember what that was on. Made my whole day. Made my whole day. Because it's that. like, it's that's just really he cool. refuses to stop. Well, that's yeah. good, though. You know, you keep 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 your head up and yeah. stay positive. Thank you for exploring this uh, tangent with me, Thank everyone. You. Yeah. Uh, Amanda, back to your pitch. So, yeah, tell us about this uh, bus. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I don't know. I, I had visions of like maybe the dance is going on. At one point, I was like, maybe the, so the bus. Film is, like, the film's kind of happening. Oh, you're you're in that um, the last kind of big uh, scene, you know, where the lightning's about to strike. Like you, you end up there at that day where you have. It's not that long of it. If it's a theme park, it's not that long of an experience. If it's a standalone thing, it could be hours. Yeah. You know, Um, so I had a vision of like the bus driving into because you don't know where you're going to pull in. Like Marty, when he first goes back to 1955, is like driving through trees on the pine tree farm, you know, and ends up crashing into a barn. Like you're not necessarily on a road. Yeah. You're wherever you're wherever you're in the same spot that you are in your time, but whatever happens to be there in the time that you drove in. Yeah. You know? So I gather if you're, if you're in, um, in the town, you would be in the school. So you would have to be kind of near where the school is. So that makes the most sense. I'm going to say you're probably at the mall. And you're self-navigated through this experience, right? Yeah. Well, it's a self-driving car. Okay. So it's a self-driving car. So the car's going to take you wherever it wants to take you. Oh, I love so that. it kind of drives around and it might drive around a little bit to get you closer to where the school is. So you're kind of on a warehouse lot. Like it's almost a studio lot mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. built up however they want it to look. Yeah. Um, so I, I toyed with the idea of you driving into the middle of the dance and everyone kind of being like, what the fuck is this? And like you get out and all these actors are around and you just kind of have to figure it out and find Marty. But I think as far as the, the timeline making sense, you pull up in the parking lot next to the school um, where Marty's just like run out and he kind of sees you and it's like, you guys look weird. You're not from 1955. Like you have to interact with him somehow or like he comes up to you and engages you and then you have to find Doc. And the uh, the ultimate goal of it is uh, kind of looking for little clues and, and solving the, okay, well, y- there's a, one car and one lightning bolt. So like you're getting back that way. How are we going to get back? So there might be some kind of track like uh, how they do on rides where like sure. you essentially tow the VW bus to the back of the DeLorean and it's actually, actually, since it's a self-driving car and self-powered, you could get it to go that fast. Thinking out loud. Thinking out loud. Anyway, you're towing the the bus (laughs) to the back of the DeLorean and then together you end up in your respective timeline. So he's set his time back to 1985. Doc helps you figure out how to set your time back to 
2000 whenever you go on this thing and that's kind of how it ends um but this is a fake bus also so there might be screens on the windows on the inside so when sense. you're traveling through yeah. time well you could totally trick out the vehicle obviously yeah. do so much oh yeah that, it's a party bus know. like there is a literal disco ball when you're right. traveling back you can put in snacks time, in there you can do whatever you want it's yeah. snacks i toyed with having a soda fountain that had like tab and pepsi free and stuff in there too that you can could get, get pepsi free you're gonna pay for it <laughs> something without sugar um, but yeah, no, like, no, like, you might, you might water? spend some time Milk. in uh, the bus kind of exploring it before any of this even starts. Cause it's a cool, it's a cool thing. It's tricked out. It's uh, not your like average it. car or Love bus. It. So it does end up bringing you back to where you started. You get off and your aunt or uncle is like, well, you kids might want to get an Uber home. Cause I don't know where my car is. And they like go and look for their, their bus. And then you just kind of leave and go into the rest of the theme park for Very the day. Nice. I yeah. like this. This is cool. Love it. And it's definitely in the vein of what, where theme parks are going. Yeah. Immersive so experience. Very so immersive. a lot of actors. I do have a second pitch. That was, was, was my say, initial was like, that, pitch. That's your, that was just an initial pitch. There was another one, right? Yeah. So this was the pitch that came to me in a fever dream this morning. The one that I've been sitting on for like months, but this not is the really real fleshed pitch. out. This is. Okay. This, this is, I guess, the real pitch. Okay. Um, again, Back to the Future's been a movie. It's been a cartoon. It's been a video game. It's been comics. It's been everything. a musical. It's been everything. Um, I would like to see a little bit more from Einstein. The dog. Um, the dog, yes. I, bringing it back to the, the Pinhead's demo tape, <laughs> I love when little side quests or little um, details get further explored that might not like affect the plot of the story that's happening, but just lets you know more about the universe and more about the characters. And um, Mike brought this comic up to me because I just love dogs and we were talking comic stuff and that's what sparked this idea. Um, so this is inspired by uh, Matt Fraction and David Adges. Is yeah. that the correct name? Um, Hawkeye number 11 pizza is my business. So that is a comic issue of Hawkeye that is told entirely from the perspective of Lucky the Pizza Dog. Oh, this is great. Right? Such is, a great, such a great single issue of a comic. It's so, so fun. Good. It is so fun. And like there's very little text. Like you do see text bubbles of and all of the human characters speaking with like a clear word here and there, but it's mostly just scribbled. So you can kind of like get bits and pieces of what the conversation is. Okay. But it's mostly told through lucky kind of walking around perceiving the humans and you see little like circles that show like <laughs> this person smells like coffee i associate this person with coffee with um aftershave with like this woman who lives in that apartment three doors down gives me treats all the time like you you see his percept like perspective of the human characters that live around him and it does not rely on text it's just all visual and you follow this dog through his experience of that day, his experience of dealing with the goons that essentially like go he after solves a murder. Hawkeye. He solves a, mur he solves yeah, a murder. Yeah, he solves a murder The dog case. like witnesses a murder and like kind of works to solve a murder, but it's all told through kind of the eyes of the dog, which is actually really fun to read because it's like how he operates and how he walks around. It's just they, they it's like they, they put themselves into like the dog's mentality. It's really cool. It's oh, so that's great. awesome. It actually won a ton of awards because it's so different for a comic. It's almost like, uh, so G.I. Joe, Larry Hama wrote a comic, wrote an issue of G.I. Joe called Silent Interlude where Snake Eyes infiltrates a Cobra fortress to save Scarlet and there is not a single text. It's all visual. And Snake Eyes is a mute character in G.I. Joe. 
So the whole thing is cold, totally without any speech bubbles. And uh, it's in that vein. That's so cool. Yeah. Cool. So cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, how about this? So I, I would love to see <laughs> Teen the story of Einstein. I would love to see his perspective and his experience of being like the trusted companion and also sometimes test subject of Doc Brown. You know, and canonically, Einstein is the first time traveler. Yes, he is. Yep. So I want to see his experience of that like one minute blip in the in the DeLorean that you don't see. You see it from Marty and Doc's perspective, but like there's got to be so much going on in Einstein's head. And it's like, how does he perceive Doc? How does he perceive Marty? Like he clearly cares for them. He barks and lets them know when like danger is about to happen. So like he's he's all in. He jumps right into the DeLorean. He's got no problems with doing that. But how does he experience it? And also, like, I know dog years isn't really a real thing, but let's pretend it is for the sake of this and that dogs experience time differently. So maybe that one minute that Doc is like, it's instantaneous to him. It'll be like it never happened. What if that's not the case? And oh, that no. minute just so Stephen like, King's the jaunt. A, a dog minute <laughs> is really seven minutes to a dog because that's everyone's like, well, one year's really like seven years to a dog. So, like, let's right. just kind of scale it down a little bit and maybe Einstein experiences time differently. Um, I, I just, I want to see that story. I want to see, maybe he took a side trip and accidentally reset the, uh, the time that Doc sent him back to, to a different time. Maybe Einstein did see the dinosaurs and before he came back, we don't know, but, um, it could really, it could really be anything. You could do one with Copernicus also kind of in the 1955, you could have a couple of them for all of Doc's dogs. And I would title it bark to the future <laughs> just for the title alone that's perfect so this that's is a, my pitch this is a, wow a book. great job very nice that very applause, nice on the double the double pitch the good. double pitch i love it really that was good awesome stuff. yeah so for bark to the future what 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 would be the medium for that comic it'd, it'd be, be a, a comic, comic, comic. Yeah. okay got it could be a comic could be a cartoon i was I gonna know. say it might be really cute as the tv series be yeah cute. like a little animated yeah animated special TV series or a special that'd be you great know? and great. you could actually like you don't have to use like clips from the film, really. You could just like it's just close-ups of Einstein's face, like while you're hearing very familiar moments of the film, <laughs> and like light flashes on him and stuff like that. <laughs> and who doesn't love Einstein? I love That's Einstein. The, I, you know what? That might be like top three cutest movie dogs. Yeah, like Einstein's way up. He's there. up there. He's towards the top. And honestly, Copernicus, because he doesn't get as much screen time. No, because in the he's film, so very little. He's so tiny and yes. cute. He's oh cute. Oh my god. Love that. Yeah. Bark to the future. Bark to, Bark the, to the, the future. future. To, that rules. No one else is going to have a better title than that today. No, definitely not. You want to go or you want me to go? I'll, I'll go because I have something a little similar to Amanda, and mine's going to obviously be a less fully fl fl fleshed out version of something that she said. So um, how about this? Ooh. Speaking of Stephen King, Stephen King's Dark Tower universe introduced this idea. It's not the B plot or even the C plot. It is like a throwaway feature by the time you get to like the middle novels of the Dark Tower where... There is a version of our future in this fictionalized version of the Dark Tower where people are time tourists. Yeah. Right? There is a, a company. Uh, I don't know if it's one of his fictional companies in the Dark Tower. Is it like a North Central Positronics or something like that? One of those companies, the evil companies in the Dark Tower series for the people that uh, haven't read those books, that um, have found gateways or portals into other worlds that happen to be just the other times of the same world. So you could go as a tourist and go see... This is morbid, but like go see the Lincoln assassination or go see the signing of the Declaration of Independence or whatever. They'll outfit you with clothes. You go and you actually witness that historical event and you pay 
astronomical amounts of money. This is like tourism for billionaires. This is like, you know, Elon Musk going to Mars for a soda. You right? could like go see Houdini do magic. <laughs> right. Exact. That's exactly the appeal of this uh, thing. So I said, this is a really cool idea. And I stored that in my brain for later. And then we decided we we're going to do about how about this episode about Back to the Future. And I th got to thinking, as you said, I don't want to remake this in any way. I don't want to film. And for me, I can't think of a good sequel where I could, you know, do something with it and have it be enjoyable for me. I said, I want something more akin to an experience. As you just pitched, you pitched this, you know, VW bus going back and having this experience. What I want is something that's um, uh, impossible unless we start to invest billions of dollars into theme parks. Right? <laughs> so this will never happen unless we live in the Westworld future, which is the best possible future. So I'm hoping we live in the Westworld future. Jordan, I don't know if you know this, but money's free. Money's free. Money's, money's free. free. Money's free. So you're good. Money's free. One of my favorite images from the entire trilogy is Doc and his family on the train at the end of the third movie because it is just the perfect completion of everything that you've been leading up to until that moment. And the train itself is beautiful. And it inspires wonder in a way that nothing else in the series really does. Because everything else is a closed loop. Ultimately, the DeLorean is destroyed. Marty's family is repaired. But the train, the, the vision of the train represents this idea that the story goes on, right? It certainly has gone on in the comics. It's gone on in the animated series. I'm not looking to further the story of these characters. What I'm looking to do is to open up a train station, okay, where you actually physically go to a train station. It's rows and rows of old-timey trains, and these trains are preset to specific years, specific periods of America. But every time you get on one of these trains, you always, because it's not safe to do anything else, you're always going to Hill Valley. Okay. <laughs> but you're going to Hill Valley in these preset time zones. Okay. So you board the train. They all look like the train from the end of the third movie. You get on and you go to Hill Valley in 55. You go to Hill Valley in 85, both versions. Right. AB. Oh. You go to Hill Valley in 2015. Right, And you just get to walk around the world and experience everything that's in that town that day. Uh, Amanda's pitch had a really fleshed out nice narrative where you would meet up with Doc and Marty. And I'm sure you could have storyline events and things like that similar to what goes on in a Westworld type thing. But I think it would just be really fun to be like, I'm, I'm going to go to 1955 for lunch. And then I'm going to hop the train. And I'm going to go into the futuristic version of 2015 for dinner. And then there's a really cool stage show I want to see back in 1955. I'm going to go see that. You know, the I'm going to go see him perform. You know, with the Starlighters. That's cool. In in That's 55, awesome. right? And just be able to tour around those worlds as actual locations. Now, from the top down, if you're doing the bird's eye view, I guess all those versions of the town exist um, right next to each other. Uh, almost imagine a clock face, and there's mm -hmm. a version of the town at all the different numbers, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, etc., yeah. as you go around. So essentially, they're building the town square every time. They're uh, building the farmstead every time. They're building suburbia every time. But it is to the specifications of how those were depicted in the films, and you can just train your way from one to the other. The train system worked for me because it kind of harkened me back to the Dark Tower in a way. Of course, the train oh, is geez. very evil yes. in the Dark Tower. But I thought you know, there could be events. You could play through the events of the film. Certainly, the appeal would be to see, them, see, them, see some things from Back to the Future. I did not really think about that part. I just thought how fun it would be to get on a train, similar to how it happens in Westworld, and suddenly you're transported to, sure, the Old West or another time, and you just spend as long as you want to there. And then you just have to get on the train home or to somewhere else. And you just keep that. going. Awesome. You could get a chocolate milk at the mall shop. Exactly. That's Give me a perfect. milk. Chocolate. chocolate. Right. So, you know, and, and you would hope that at theme parks at that point are using things like phones, are using things like some kind of altered experience or something like that to give you just a little bit more of a sense that the world around you is more substantial. But, um, yeah, that was that was my very basic pitch that is not uh, fully fleshed out. But it was an idea I had that I was like, I could see 
that idea from Back to the Future inspiring something that is related to a theme park experience that isn't just a ride. It is, uh, you know, a walkabout. Mm-hmm. It's it's whatever you want it to be. It's it's shops, it's restaurants, it's shows. How about this? Oh, okay. How about this? So if you do the uh, Back to the Future experience in the theme park that I have set, it ended with your aunt and or uncle or wacky cousin being like, I'm going to go find my car. This might be a while. Guys, figure out a way home. <laughs> okay. Walk to the train station. Okay. And now you're whenever you want. See? Perfect. Billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. We can charge whatever we want and people will pay. People will pay. We, we could have a coupon day. That's, yeah. Yeah. 20% <laughs> off. Like my experience is how you enter the broader <laughs> right. theme park. Right. That's a yeah. great day. But I like yours because it had like that contained narrative piece, which I think is important because people are more invested if there's a storyline. So I think, yeah, crossover would be would be nice. Yeah, I think there's something you could do with that. All right, Miguel. Uh, so how about this? So, yeah, like you guys. Don't I, need money. Don't need fame. Don't need no credit card to ride this. this time train. train. It's a time train. Oh, my God. Bam, bam, bam. Gotta go back in time. Huey <laughs> Lewis. 1.21 gigawatts, gigawatts, which is mispronounced. Yes. So, GIF. we um, no. animated no. GIF. Choosy moms choose GIF. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like you, you two don't. I don't want Back to the Future to be rebooted. Uh, it's one of those I'm things. Glad we have such a like, unified front. On it's this. like I don't. It's like, it's like I I don't want. You know, just because you don't want The Rock to play Doc Brown and um, no, and no. <laughs> I guess Tom Holland to be Marty McFly. I actually I actually have Tom Holland in my pitch. Oh no, Amanda um, is doing her frozen excitement face. I actually just mentioned The Rock, and I'm uh, like, where does he fit in this universe? He's Einstein. Brown, oh, but- he's Einstein. <laughs> He he and Vin Diesel get the DeLorean. Oh my god! And then they fast in the future. No, they back fast, to the future. Fast it's Fast and the Furious, but fast one of the, the cars future. is the DeLorean. Yeah, yeah. We gotta go fast. So fast we go to the future. Yeah, but we actually end up in the past. And then Vin Time Diesel. Time to drive. But he makes it back. Yeah. And he doesn't even have plutonium because you don't need plutonium when you have family. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even going to talk about my. Movie. Oh my god! How come? How come all so many of our pitches so go times. back to Fast and Furious? Because it's fucking great and terrible. It really, <laughs> it's both those things at once, which is everything we love about our show. Yeah, which is just like taking the terrible and making it great, or vice versa. Yeah, or making it worse. Right. We watched the first Fast and Furious movie not too long ago. It's bad. It's great. It's very bad. I loved it. Well, the scale on those movies is amazing. It just starts off like, yeah, with some guys that are street racing. And it's like now we're going to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. Well, the first three Fast and Furious... Wow, how this, how this turned into Fast and Furious. The first three Fast and Furious movies are Fast and, The Fast and the Furious. And then I think the second one is Too Fast, Too Furious. Correct. And then I think the third one is Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Correct. And those movies are only slightly connected to each other. Like Paul Walker's in the first and the second one. Vin Diesel doesn't show back up until four. And that's when they start going ridiculous. Because Vin Diesel comes back and is like, forget All it. Right. We're going to make it about space now. So is I mean, it, Elon Musk, right? Yeah. Elon Musk. Making Elon, cars yeah, Elon to... Musk is going to be. And he's like, I don't know. Why didn't you put it to the moon? All right. So exactly. is your pitch Back to the Furious? Back to the Furious now. Or is it Fast to the Future? Fast to the Future. Well, fast to the Actually, Future no. would be the second Hold one. Hold on. Two of them. You make two of these. You have Fast to the Future. Okay. 
and back to the Furious. Right, and you release them at the same time. Yes, and you have to see both ones. It's like choosing Pokemon Red or Blue. Right. You have to choose which one you see but first. But then you're a fucking but, fat rich kid and your mom buys you both. Yeah. But say that fa- <laughs> <laughs> Say that Fast to the Future is the first one. Back to the Furious is the second. Yes. And then you've got Fast to the Future 2 as the third installment that and comes out. And then Back to the Furious 2. Yeah. Right. Oh my God, we can do a lot of these. And then you can do... Two back. And then you can do... And they back you, fast. <laughs> back fast. Back fast. I'm, I'm out of it. I yeah. don't know. I don't have another one. So Vin Diesel and The Rock. Well, Vin Diesel and The Is Rock... Is this your pitch? No, no, no. You guys took me here. <laughs> you guys took me here. You guys brought Vin Diesel and The Fast and Furious into this conversation. Oh, the things I'm going to do for the future. <laughs> God, Huey Lewis. Oh, Huey Lewis needs to be in these movies. Yeah, all well, of them. whatever we're doing. It's family. It's about family. That's right. And then Vin Diesel and The Rock are in it. And Jordana Brewster. Yeah, of course. And whoever else is in these movies. Uh, Ludacris, is he in those? He's in this. Sure. Ludacris. We were. Jason Statham. Jason Statham is. He's in the offshoot of those movies, he's right? He's Shaw, right? Okay, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, he's yeah, Shaw. Yeah. Is The Rock Hobbs? Yeah. And, and then there's Calvin. Yes. Calvin to the future. Calvin and Hobbs and Shaw. Listen, my pitch... <laughs> guys, guys. My pitch completely fell apart the second we went Fast and Furious. <laughs> I had an idea, and then I got totally derailed, and forget it. Now this is just Fast to the Future yes. or Back to the Furious. I, people would watch this. I would, I would watch it. Everyone would watch it. And the villain's Nick Cage. Of course. This is I Am Time God. <laughs> Nick Cage stole the original DeLorean to you, become Fu Manchu. Yes. You could essentially, though, do the the pitch that you had intended. Yeah. Yeah. Through the lens of Back to the Furious. And Back Einstein. To the Furious. And oh, Einstein. the dog in. Yeah, Everybody loves a dog. Everyone loves a dog. Einstein too. Right. Yeah, it would have to be another shaggy, white shaggy dog. Absolutely. And Doc Brown would be in it. Christopher Lloyd's still Doc Brown. I just want to say, you could have like a whole time travel society of just dogs. And yeah. of course, the president would be Wishbone. Yes. Oh. Wishbone is the greatest time traveling dog. We all agree, Sorry, as awesome Wishbone. as Einstein is, the first time traveling dog is Wishbone. Wishbone yeah. is the best of the time traveling dogs. Yes. And, oh, Wishbone. Oh, man. That was, a, that was like a... Oh, quick. Let's hijack this podcast to do a remake of Quantum Leap. Yes. But Scott Bakula is just Wishbone. Yeah. Wishbone oh with God. Scott Bakula's voice. Right. Yeah. Hopping into people's bodies, but he's a dog now and yeah. everything's better. Does he hop into human bodies or dogs? Now it's dogs. Oh, my God. But it always just looks like Wishbone. Yeah. 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 There's nothing better than Fast to the Future or Back to the Furious. No. No, I don't no, think... Bark to the Future wins for the title. Yeah, Bark to the Future definitely wins for the title, but... Do you think in the race, like, they would start one of these street races and didn't realize the DeLorean was a time machine and Absolutely. accidentally end up in the future or the past based Absolutely. on it? Yes. Like, like Vin Diesel will look at the thing, the, like, the console and be like, I don't know what this does. And he hits all the buttons and then he ends up, like, in the future. Yeah. And then, and then uh, yeah. That's, that's part of the beauty of Back to the Future, though, is that, like, there's so many accidents that just, ha- like, it's not intentional. Well, it is the most playful version of, like, oh, if you do this small mistake, like, the, the ripple consequences are yeah. catastrophic. So butterfly effect? Right? Butterfly effect, or chaos yeah. theory? Both. Yeah. Uh, there's there's yeah. parts of both in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, Fast to the Future. This is good. This is good. We're going to write this. This is very good. Yeah, this is very good. Very good. Well, I think we really did something here today. I think so. I don't know what, but (laughs) if anything, we did. We hope, hopefully, more of you will go out and watch Back to the Future again because it's a really great time. If anything, we prove that nothing should be done to these movies. No, No, definitely prove that for sure. (laughs) You know what the 
video game. If you haven't played the it's video fun. game, it's a fun side story. Also, I think you go back to the. 20s you go back 20s? to a whole bunch of different points of time, but the 20s is part of it, and like another period of American right. prosperity. So that would be mm-hmm. fun for your time train to go yeah. back to the storyline. The Tannins are gangsters, the, yeah. The oh, of course. Game. Oh, so the Tannins are just always the worst. Always the villains. Yeah. Yeah. Always yeah. villains. Yeah, they're always yeah. Gotcha. a bunch of buttheads. Yeah, buttheads. Butthead Central. All right. Well, thank you everyone out there for listening. I have to once again thank our lovely hosts and co-hosts on the show today so amanda thank you for joining us for yet another episode we'll have you back real soon yeah thanks amanda thanks amanda you time traveling maniac that sounded sarcastic i just want to say thank you thank you thank you thank you for being here it was lovely and uh as always the best co-host of all time mr jordan here thank you it's about family exactly it's about family so thank you for listening family to the future that's the third one (laughs) That's the third one. They don't F is for family and for future <laughs> and for flux capacitor. <laughs> hey, I was uh, at the at the junk and uh, I found this flux capacitor. I'm gonna put it in the car. All right, so it's the 10 second teaser trailer, right? It's Vin Diesel. He's clearly dumb, right? He's clearly dumb, and he's he's at the race line. You don't see what car he's in. He's looking next to him. On one side is the Rock, and on the other side is that Idris Elba Superman character. <laughs> Okay, from, from I think Hobbs and Shaw. And he's like, you're hearing like his inner thoughts. He's like, I gotta win this race. I gotta win this race for my family. And he's like, at this time, I got a co pilot. And he looks next to him, and in the passenger seat, it's Wishbone. Okay. Oh my God. And then he looks forward on the dashboard. He's like, I just gotta figure out how to use this car. Right. But it's, and it's the DeLorean. And then fucking, they start the race, and there's like a huge lightning strike. And then, like, that's like, that's the, that's the teaser. I've already bought my tickets. Fast, mm-hmm. fast to the future. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thanks for listening, everyone. You have a good one. And thank you for listening to yet another episode of How About This. We had an absolute blast from the past and the future having Amanda back in studio with Jordan and I this week as we talked about Back to the Future. We hope that you relived your history with this film franchise, and we hope you still love it just as much as we do. Now, the most important thing, if you want to see this podcast propel itself at 88 miles per hour into the future then please give us a subscribe give us a like follow us hit us up on facebook and instagram at how about this pod leave a comment share it with your friends all that stuff makes this show that much more visible and it means that we could do more and better and greater things moving forward in the future so once again thank you so much for listening for jordan hugh and mike staub This has been the How About This Show, and we'll see you next time.